Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner and user of Mint Mobile, with a special holiday message. If you sign up now for three months, you get three months free on every one of our plans, even unlimited. Now, I realize this is more of a holiday offer than it is a holiday message, but if you read between the lines, you can see a message in there. It says we love you. Visit mintmobile.com slash switch for the offer. Limited time, new customer offer. Activate within 45 days. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Unlimited customers using more than 40 gigabytes per month will experience lower speeds. Video streams at 480p. See mintmobile.com for details. Show podcast. It's time, it's time to bring you yet another amazing episode. And now, and now welcome your host, Rob, the face for Radio Burgess. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, it's the HV1 show with me, Rob, the face for Radio Burgess. How are you and how are you doing? I hope you're well. I hope you're really, really well. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Um, oh, yeah, talking of that, I just want to say a massive thank you to Paula who wrote in and said she really enjoyed the interview with Dennis Seaton from Musical Youth. She wrote in and said, I really, really enjoyed it. Now, don't forget, if you want to email in, you can email me at... The80sRewindShow at gmail.com Now, I'm going to do that one more time, so get yourself a pen, get ready. The80sRewindShow at gmail.com So Paula wrote in and said, thank you very much, I really enjoyed the episode. Thank you, Paula, for that. And uh, like Paula, if you want to say you enjoyed the show, or if you think maybe you should talk to this guest, email me and let me know, or if you just want to talk to my ears. Same place. So before we start the show, I've got to say a massive hello to my new friends in Germany, China, and New Zealand of all places. There's people tuning in all over the world. So all is welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Um, today's show, I've got a great guest for you. Oh, before I forget, um, if you go to the website, which is, I'm going to press a button again, www.the80spod.com. Grab your pen again, www.the80spod.com. On there, I've got a little link that says exclusive to site. And on there, the guests I've been interviewing have sent me some limited edition stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And that's the same as today's guest. So what you do is you go on there, pop onto the exclusive to site page, and you'll find some tracks that you can't get anywhere else. And today's guest sent us one. We've got the wonderful Peter Coyle from the Lotus Eaters. Me and Peter had a wonderful chat, and he's a lovely, lovely guy. I can hear my friend Jane telling me off now for saying, stop saying everybody's lovely. But it's true. Everybody's lovely in the 80s land. We had a chat about his early bands, where he used to wear a lampshade on his head. <laughs> He'll explain that one to you. Uh, when he joined the Lotus Eaters, and when he was doing some dance music for a while, and what he's up to nowadays. I had a great time chatting with Peter. We had such a laugh. What a lovely fella. Um, yeah, it's just, what can I say? Just check it out. It's great. Anyway, let's get to it. When you were growing up in the house, what sort of music was around? What was your, what was your parents listening to? What was you influenced by when you were? Oh well, well that's that's a really that's actually a really revealing question because that is the heart of all artists. Well, in my opinion, mm. and um, so my dad, who wanted to be an artist but came from a space where you are messing. Um, and so became a tiler. Um, he also wanted to be a goalie, and he was a good goalie um, for, for, for uh, when he was in the army. Um, uh, but again, that was just like that's not for you because you come from a, a working class background, and you are not allowed dreams. Anyway, so it, of a Sunday, every Sunday he would religiously put on his. Is is uh, country and western tunes, you mm. know what I mean? Is Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue, which used to just, you know, <laughs> absolutely fat and ring of fire, and you know, and um, you know, basically all 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 of the the greats, you know, and Elvis, and um, uh, you know, and he, um, he he just Sunday Sunday morning was was country and western country and western town and then in the week when they'd have when they'd all uh, pile in from the pub did uh, you know it'd, it'd just be parties and then it'd still be fucking country and western it'd be like stand by your man and oh god it's just like relentless blankets on the ground <laughs> I bet you know the uh, words to all of those songs though don't you phonetically oh yeah king of the road <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I, I, um, but yeah, you, and it, it shapes you actually, you don't understand, you don't realize, but that kind of sincerity and the kind of like, um, um, real life story, uh, goes into your being. Cause I'm listening to it and thinking what's happening here. You know, it's like, 
Hey, did you happen to see the most <laughs> beautiful girl in the world? And I'm like, whoa, well, you know, what's, you know, so it's not really my vibe, but I'm seeing it's my dad's vibe. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm just like going, right, okay, well, s- something's going on here, but, you know, and it, but it, it, it is very, very, very interesting. And then as I be- grew, grew up and became an adolescent, you know, I'd be like, uh, it'd all be like, uh, yeah, Sparks. Two time, you see, is, is you and me time. Awesome. <laughs> what a tune. And when I met Muff Winwood, you know, that was one of the highlights of, of uh, actually um, going to, um, uh, what they called A&R meetings. I used to hate A&R meetings. Right. It's always send me to shrinks afterwards. But I when I met when I met Muff Winwood, oh you know, I'm like, Muff, who gives a fuck about my career? Let's talk about yours. Because like Muff, well, Canel, you produce sparks and your brother is the man. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, and I desperately, desperately wanted to sign to CBS. Not for any business reasons, mm. but because it was Muff. <laughs> And and Muff, he, Muff, bless him, he said to me, and I, I really did like him a lot, and um, he said to me, um, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, my God, um, you know, I love these songs that you've written. It was for, it must have been for No Sense of Sin. I love these songs that you've written at, at the age of 20, 21. But, my God, what are your songs going to be like when you're 40, 50? Mm. And I thought, oh, lovely of you to say you know because uh i'm thinking i'll probably be dead by then but like <laughs> so you know thanks so much for saying that but unfortunately i'm not really good at asserting myself and jerry wanted to sign to arista right me and the, me and the manager uh pete uh we wanted to sign to cbs oh Jerry, he wanted to sign to Arista, so we did, stupidly. Anyway, whatever, who cares? I'm just glad I got to meet the producer of Sparks. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, So, yeah, so it was country that was mainly in your house. Funny if my dad uh, played in a country and western band... All, cool. of his, all of his entire life so oh, I, I had those songs that you were talking about I know exactly every weekend um, I used to go on with him in the van and he'd sit yeah. and play for two or three hours I know all those songs phonetically and now yeah. I'm older I really appreciate them like I don't know about yeah. yourself I really appreciate the songwriting ability and the yeah genius it's genius you know and yeah you, you, you're dead right because melody and, and the way yeah it, it's the simplicity the melody and the lyrical sort of um, content is like you know so deep. It's lovely. It's yeah. obviously um, you know it's in, very much in a genre. Yeah. You know, and you know, and um, but it's really amazing. You know, wonderful, wonderful. Ring of Fire, my God. I mean, and also the tone. Yeah. The tone of these things. And, yeah, and the the heartfelt, sheer heartfelt sort of intensity, which mm. you don't really get in an awful lot of records. That's true. You're doing them. Yeah, you're and then doing you, you'll get a guitar solo that'll just tear your face off because the players yeah. were just yeah. the Nashville boys. Unbelievable yeah. players, aren't they? Totally, totally. And yet again, when you when you were a kid listening to that, you think, oh, that's just noise. Yes. <laughs> you don't yes. realise how brilliant that guitar playing is, the banjo, the fiddle playing is. And, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah you totally. fast forward 40 years, you've got the C2C festival in Wembley and stuff like that at the O2. And yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, well, they're the real deal. They're the real deal. They are, yeah. And you can set them up in a pub or in a, you know, in a bus stop and it will still be the best gig you'll see in a million years. Amazing. I mean, slowly as I'm getting older, I'm getting into that sort of stuff. I'm really getting into it heavily. And um, I can't pick a favourite, though. I don't think I've got one. I think I'm like yourself. I like a bit of everything. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just so hard. It, it, basically, it's just uh, when it works, it works beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. So was when you started sort of singing to stuff, was the country stuff the stuff you started to sing to to find your voice when you originally started to sing? No. Or was it the sparksy stuff that came along? 
No, not at all. Not even that. Uh, we were in a gang uh, in in Walton and Liverpool, and uh, not the jail. <laughs> and um, and uh, so, for example, for the weekend, we like listen to Bad Company only the Bad Company records all weekend. Wow. Get blitzed, and then next weekend we'd listen to all the Yes records, and then weekend after Zeppelin, Yes, Genesis, King Crimson. So we'd have like you know we'd have hardcore weekends where it's just we only listen to the albums of the of, which was just mega and 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 so uh, when it wasn't the weekend in the week in the night um we'd go around to each other's houses and uh, me two mates they kind of had acoustic guitars and one play, one would, was left-handed so he play he played the bass but he played wrong you know yeah. obviously uh, and the other lad was um, so it was Gary on 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 one acoustic guitar that was left playing it left handed, and Steve on the other acoustic guitar nylon uh, was playing it like a proper guitarist. But he was only beginning, you know, so yeah. just beginning. And I couldn't do it. I didn't have a guitar. I couldn't do anything. So I just stuck a lampshade on my head in the corner <laughs> and started singing <laughs> and jamming jamming with them. You see, and. Um, not because I was a singer, but just because, you know, the, the lampshade really suited me. <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's like an early version of Prince. <laughs> yeah, it was just to hide. It was, yeah. I needed the mask. Yeah. You know, I was a very shy boy. If I didn't have the mask or the lampshade, rather, then I was going nowhere. <laughs> but, 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 you know, after months of, of you know, I, I kind of developed a deep fetish for the lampshade. And it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was good. It was good news. Happy days. <laughs> so that was your first sort of band, was it? You guys were just messing around or did you, did you ever perform publicly? Um, with that band? Yeah. No, but my first tune, the first, our first tune was called Lamb of God, Catholic oh. Boy, you see. <laughs> oh, oh, and also The Family, which was like the, because um, Gary was a big uh he got me into the. He got me into poetry. Actually, it was not at all kind of um, pop based. It was absolutely psychiatric based, and it was mega. <laughs> we loved it. We were happy. <laughs> it was just the three of us. And then our first, the first band was called Tin Ethics, which was a school band. Wow. And Steve was in that. We, we made Steve was in Tin Ethics. Wow. When did you meet Jeremy Kelly? Was that around the same time? Or was it? No, God, no, that was much, much, much later. So um, so basically, my first band after school was called the Jazz Babies. Wow. What sort of band and, were they? Uh, mad. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> wild and <laughs> mad. I'd basically be singing upside down, hanging up for, for upside down from the ceiling. Um, um, it was very kind of, we had a John Peel session and it was very sort of really kind of, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, killing joke. Yeah. Kind of killing, killing joke, birthday party, Peter Rammel. Right. In that sort of, you know, I, I just <laughs> sung, you know, and it was all like, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, oh, oh. Off me head. And the, but the band were great. Yeah. The band were great. So did you join that band or did they, did you form the band around your mates? Jazz oh, babies? sorry. So with the Jazz Babies, yeah. uh, uh, oh no, what it was was Tin Ethics did a, a gig at uh, uh, Eric's. Oh, wow. Uh, did a gig at Eric's. And um, Eric's, by the way, is in Matthew Street. For people that don't know, <laughs> yeah, was, was yeah. it above above a place? It was, wasn't it? Is it above? Or was it? You, do you go upstairs to Eric's, or was it? On the, no, you go downstairs. You go downstairs, so you go the opposite way. Yeah, you go downstairs. So was it another yeah. basement? Because opposite, for people that don't know, was the Beatles, where the Beatles Cavern used to be. But if yeah. you go there now, well, it's twelve feet in the wrong direction. By the way, but <laughs> yeah, the Cavern's the opposite side. Yeah, um, uh, but but uh, but Eric's is, was was the original kind of like where I first saw Ultravox. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> but I could only go to what are they called? Um, Matinees, right. that's it. I used to go to the matinees at Eric's. So, uh, so uh, anyway, Tin Ethics, we did our first gig. Uh, again, keeping the Catholic theme, one of the songs was called Good Friday. <laughs> and I think the first line of that was, Buddha's in the asylum. Very apt for today, actually. 
Um, it's very but, deep um, for a young lad as well, though. It's a deep limit well, for a young well, guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, uh, they always said I was deep. Um, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, we were called Tin Ethics. Um, and that was, but the band, we all agreed after our A levels, we'd all carry on the band. But they all went to um, oh, another classic song, Desolation in Oxford Circus. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, another, another classic. But um, but we, they all said we'd go to uni, we'd all uh, not go to uni because we all had places in uni. Mm. I was going to do uh, philosophy and theology in uh, London, but I was the only one who didn't go to uni. They all went. They were all rather clever and intelligent, <laughs> and went to uni. So I didn't. I I I uh, I I stayed on in the music, and and that, and jazz babies. Well, they, we weren't called anything, but they came to me and said, "Would you sing the, uh, with us?" And I said, "Yeah," because you know it was, they were proper. They were great. Well, so Tenethics actually. Yeah. I no, I loved them. We we were very much in the U two modes actually, very much in the U two mode, um, but. Jazz Babies was um, cool. And you, are cool. you, were you a confident singer at this time and a confident writer? Did it, did it come along from the lampshade, or was it? <laughs> were you still no? <laughs> no, no. I mean, writing was I, I enjoyed and yeah. and I was comfortable. Uh, didn't know what I was doing. Still don't, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> these things happen. Um, but but um, in in terms of no, before every gig. You know, it, three days not being able to eat, wow. doing a bit of a Barry Gibb vomiting. <laughs> you know, it's you know, yeah, it's just no. I was wired. It, it's a difficult skill to learn mm. if it's not in your DNA. Even now, I still, you know, like because when 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 I do a gig, like I've just done some uh, uh, prog prog rock gigs uh, in in UK, uh, which were great. But you know, people are thinking like. What is he smoking? <laughs> I love it. So, so there was you and um, J- Jeremy at the time. Did you start? Oh, yeah. Did you start writing together straight away? Was it a little while or? Oh no, no. So basically, uh, the jazz baby split up, and um, oh no, I, actually, sorry, no. I asked Jem to join the jazz babies. And then everyone hated one another, so that was awful. But we needed to move on, so. Uh, so me and Jem got together, started off as a, our own thing. And um, I went round to his house and uh, he had four tracks on Port Studio Instrumentals. I think it was a Sunday. Him and Jed were there. And so they said, uh, so in his bedroom, they, they showed me the Port Studio, gave me the microphone, said, uh, we're just going to pub. Is <laughs> uh, four tunes just like... Have a little sing on them. Let's see if you can do anything. Mm. And uh, those four tunes were first picture view. Mm. When you look at boys, think start of the search. And one other one I can't remember, but and they were more or less done and dusted there. Right. And when when they came back, because they were cool dudes, they were like. Fucking hell. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> and they were really shocked. Mm. Really shocked. But they didn't say it. Right. They didn't yeah. say it. They didn't, you know, like, oh, pretty good there. There was none of that. It was just like, because, you know, but it didn't really matter anyway, because I could read them like a fucking book anyway. It didn't really matter. <laughs> and, um, that was that really didn't, you know, they knew I was, um, I was useful. And so, uh, happy days. It went ahead. So, so did the, um, it sounds like before you were saying you was a sort of killing joke type band, which was quite aggressive. And that was it different to do uh, to write for a band that's more chilled out and melodic. Was it, a, was it an easy jump to make? Oh, it was a jump. I was determined to make. It was, was it? See, because, because I wanted to, um, how can I put it? I wanted. Here we go. This is where, if any list, if you add any listeners, you're going to lose them all right now. <laughs> because this is where I wanted to explore the feminine aspect 
right. and the more subtle sort of um, introvert aspects without the anger and without the torture and without the the dark. Well, no, you can't take the darkness out, but without the... Basically, I wanted all the intensity and passion, but instead of hanging upside down and screaming at the top of my voice, I wanted to do it in a new way. Yeah, it, For me, it was the most revolutionary because before I was just basically copying. Well, I wasn't copying, but I was... I was coming from Gabriel, Peter Hamill, David Bowie, uh, Ian Curtis. I was coming from all the beautiful people I loved and admired. Yeah. And I wanted to, the most revolutionary thing I could do was switchy. Yeah. And that's, so it was me who wanted to go that way. Right. And um, and that's what I did. I, I, I had... Uh, I was going out with Stephanie. Yeah. Oh, bless her. Uh, who's no longer here, sadly. Oh, um, but, but, um, but, you know, and she showed me people like Louise Brooks and, uh, and Anais Nin. And, um, you know, she, she opened up a, you know, a whole new world. And she was like, she was like feminist central. Right. So I was reading a spare rib every week thinking, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm horrible. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, my God, what am I doing with this chromosome? My God, I've got to take get rid of this chromosome sharpish. No, but, uh, but then I'd put it down and think, oh God. Um, but you, but no, it was it, it was, and also she introduced me to Marvin Gaye. Wow, yeah. Al Green and and all that side of things. So you know, because Marvin Gaye was a game changer for me. Oh, really? A classic introvert, really. But suffering, he, all that. How can I put it? He he had this way of channeling it and putting it into a really gentle soul. Yeah, it was a pure genius, and Al Green the same. They come from a difficult, difficult space, and they somehow manage to make it beautiful. And that was my brief, if you like, right? I see. You know, that's what I wanted to do. You know, and um, and I saw the acoustic guitar as a revolutionary thing. Yeah, and then and then that's when people started saying, "Oh, you sound like." Um, Neil Young and uh, what's the band from uh, with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young? But before that, the, before Crosby, there was another band the with birds, all of them. Or... The Birds, but all, all of them, all of those people were in the band, and um, um, they, they said I sound like him, and and also the lad from um, the, I love his voice on on, on the Pink Floyd album. Um, he was their mate, uh, Roy Harper. That's it, Roy Harper, yeah. Yeah, yeah Roy Harper. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it sounds like you would, yeah, I mean, the brief sounds really, really good. It's kind of like Kate Bush where you do these sort of beautiful songs with a, like a dark undertone. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds like that lady really influenced the, the band and the songwriting. That's that's amazing. Well, she influenced me, uh, Stephanie, and, uh, and uh, massively, you know, she was a big deal in my, well, you know, she, uh, she, you know, we lived together, and, and it was, uh, it, you know, I was eighteen at the time, right? Clueless, you know, I'd I'd, I'd read a few books, but um, not many, and <laughs> <laughs> still not many. <laughs> but you know, but she, you know, with um, yeah, she was a clever kooky, and and you know, and, and, but and also with a very clear outlook on things right you know she introduced me to robert palmer as well and uh yeah no no she was great and uh s- sadly stephanie passed away this year but uh oh that sucks know, yeah but but you know with this podcast podcast we'll we'll, we'll celebrate you know a big big uh ha- hats off to stephanie yeah nice it's amazing when you meet someone like that that just plugs you into new music yeah. and new things isn't it it's you, you know can't get it well, that. To be honest, that is actually one of the key things about, um, you know, when people always look at artists and they never see the invisible people behind. Yeah. Never see. Actually, if it wasn't for these key players 
in in the picture going, you know, because we're all products of our environment, especially artists. Yeah. We're all products. If it wasn't for our mums, if it wasn't for our dads, if it wasn't for our brothers and sisters, if it, you know, if it, if it wasn't for these experiences and this, sort of, it, it, none of it would be. Yeah. We're very lucky and we're, you know, it's all part of who we are really. It's true. I always say to my, uh, my missus, you know, the world's been around for 7 billion years, but I, I managed to be alive at the same time as David Bowie and John Lennon. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, exactly. So, you know what happened? Exactly. I got the greats. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So, yes. talking of influences, you did a John Peel session. Uh, did you do one with Jazz Babies as well as The Lotus as well? Yeah, so first one was Jazz Babies, second one was Lotus Eaters. And, and the Jazz Babies is the first time I'd ever been in the studio. Wow. And did you, um, how, how was it for you? Was you terrified? Was you fine with it? Was you, you know, wasn't bothered by it? I mean, I know John Peel was a legendary figure, but was you terrified still or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, my God, what a performance. Yeah. My God, you can tell, I mean, I, I you know, it, it's a uh, parable, parable. <laughs> and, uh, what else? Uh, uh, let me soak it up some that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's so charged. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And 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 I'd like a big shout out for David. Uh, David was the bass player mm. uh, in. in uh, Rob Rob was the guitarist for the Jazz Babies. David was the bass player, and Steve was the uh, was the uh, drummer. And they were all mega. They were all mega. I was like sort of like uh, sitting on their shoulders, really. <laughs> they were older than me and just mega. Yeah, that, you know, Parable is, it's such a beautiful moment, uh, you know, and, and the lad from Mott the Hoople was the, the producer and they were like, oh my God, what, what is going on? You know, you know, let's, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, yeah. But it was, it was, it was a really beautiful experience. And so look, but I'd like to, you know, a nice shout out to David Whitaker because he's, He's been a bit poorly lately, but you know, like big shout out to David. Fantastic. You know. And how did um, yeah. get well, Dave? And how did this session come around? How did you get onto the John Pill show? Did you just tape, send a record in, or a tape, or an EP, or did he see you live? Or oh no, I, I, I'd send him postcards, just basically begging. Oh, I, I'd, 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 I'd send him like arty postcards, like you know, with like strange words on it, like I don't know, like I'd send him a postcard. Yeah, and it. I just have the word surreal on it. <laughs> and, you know, and then the next day I'd send him a postcard and it'd just have like, you know, like melon. <laughs> well, have you got that yeah. now? You think you're mad, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I know, to be honest, I wish I did have, I wish I'd have photographed the postcards to John Lennon, it's a John Lennon, to uh, John Peel. Yeah. You know, so as I could like, you know, see what, you know, because I'd be on a plane. Yeah. And I'd send him a, a, a postcard saying, you know, sand. <laughs> I kind of get it. It's, it's it's a one statement of what you're doing. Like holiday, sand. Is, it makes yeah. me, I kind of get it now. I like, melon, I yeah. like, shopping. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> I don't know what melon would be. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's kind of, you know, especially in today's world where everything has to be shorter. What I mean, just one word postcard is the, there might be an internet site you should invent for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, because everything now is, you know, we're all like, you know, we're all corporate entities, aren't we? Yeah. We all have mission statements, <laughs> you know, and, and manifestos, you know. It's all like, we're all like Mr. and Mrs. Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know, and you know, like, really, you know, is that where it's at? You know, I just, you know, I just want to make tea for Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just want to hang out, you know, and just say, Joni, could I just mix you a little bit of red ochre here, please? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we, I, you know, we live in a different world to the, you know, the... The, the better days, <laughs> as it were. So did you do, um, you did, did you do two sessions for John in the end? Was it, was there one with um, Jazz Babies and one with Lotus? Or was it just one session? Yeah, so no, so there's one with the Lotus, and with the Lotuses, it was um, first picture view, which was a great version. Um, 
the first time it was recorded properly. Yeah. And um, when you look at Boys, which was the version we used on the record, Stranger So Far, which is a gorge. Again, we use that on a record, and that's interesting because it, uh, Jerry eats speed up <laughs> as he get excited, which is rather quite endearing, endearing of him actually, and uh, you know, and uh, and it works, it works because uh, there were no drums. It was uh, you know, and it's fantastic guitar. Yeah, uh, he's a brilliant guitarist, uh, and. What was the fourth? No idea. <laughs> I always struggle on the fourth. My sh- I'm, that must be with short-term memory. For <laughs> short-term memory, you should be able to remember five things. Yeah. But obviously, mine's so so wrecked, I've gone to three. <laughs> well, you're doing your one-word thing again. That's all. You're just... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. turn to three memories. So yeah, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was the band signed at this point? Or was you... No, was, no, no. Was, that was... Be- but like the next... The next day, it was just like what you know. Everyone wanted to know was right. was weird. So the session weird. broke the band, sort of. Oh yeah, yeah. totally, totally. You know, wow. John Peel loved it. He was like, you know, he didn't expect it. Yeah, he did, he was like, what? Where's this coming from? You know, and and uh, he didn't expect it, and and um, it it was uh, you know it it took off from there. That just that one peel session, what and whatever you know it, you know it, because it, it was uh, yeah, it was good. And it um, good. is it right? I mean, were you gigging at the time? Is it right you recorded first picture without even playing it live? Is that right? Is that true? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, our first gig was after our record because we didn't have a chance. It was also, yeah, it was also, and that's what made it weird. So our first gig, I think, was in Liverpool. It was in a great venue. Right. And so so we went on stage and all the screaming started (laughs) and I turned around to see what they were screaming at. (laughs) Because I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? What's the screaming for? <laughs> Where's the fire extinguisher? <laughs> you know, like, you know, can you not all get to spec savers pronto? <laughs> I mean, come on, you were a bit of a pin-up back then, weren't you? You had the looks, you had the hair. No, no, the- no, no, but but you see, it's it's so interesting. I had a, I had a, I had hair. Mm. That's the one thing I did have hair at the time. <laughs> but having said that, it, I, how can I put it? Well, I suppose I was trying to bring out the feminine aspect. Right, yeah. okay. And and Stephanie, Stephanie, obviously like pretty boys. So uh, she she kind of basically dressed me. Right. You know, so, you know, uh, yeah, so. And I'd, I'd wear some of her clothes, to be honest. I'd, I'd be like, so, yeah, I suppose yeah, I'd go on in like a, I remember there's a fanzine, you know, and there's a picture of me wearing a coat. Right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, and I'd, I'd have like she'd put coal on me, and is it coal? Is it what you put on your eyes and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But basically, yeah, she, she, you know, she'd explore things, you know, and you know, I, I, quite, I was quite happy doing that. Um, and girls started to phone me up saying, "What's your hair like?" And I'm like, "I don't <laughs> know, I'm not even interested." <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting that you're a Bowie fan, and Stephanie was yeah. your your Angie in a way because she you wore her clothes yeah, like Bowie was. did, and she put the she makeup was. on you like Angie did for Bowie. It's amazing that you had the same parallel. Yeah, she shaped me in so many ways. Yes, yeah, yeah, she was, she was, and um, although you know, fucking Angie had a much much more uh, talented. Uh, uh, subject. That's not true. Uh, Come on, Steph- That's- Stephanie. Was, Stephanie was limited with me, but but I mean, but yes, yes. Stephanie kind of like, um, yeah. She's sort of, uh, she, she, yeah. She she led the way, you know, and 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 it was mega for me because it gave me a, you know, a, like we go to super supermarket, like which was just great, and we'd have our uh, what are those umbrellas called? Those Chinese umbrellas. What the tiny ones? The, the the kind of colourful ones. 
But like, so basically, we're in we're in downtown urban Liverpool. Yeah, Stephanie's looking at a million dollars in a bob. You know, she's a, she's you know just like just just looks pure Louise Brooks, pure like million dollars, and I'm I'm like a sort of double, um, and 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 we're going you know we're going to quick save. And uh, or or you know we'll go into Marks and Spencers and then Pete Burns will come in with Linda, wow. you know, and, and the four of us are there like at, the, at, at either end of the aisle going fucking now <laughs> you know this is one fuck of an aisle this this is a pure art aisle <laughs> you know this is like you know and and so you know that that was cool because. Obviously, um, Pete and Linda were just seriously out there. Yeah, I can imagine. So ahead of the time. So ahead of the time and so cool. I mean, it's, I grew up in a place called Tilbury, which is like the Liverpool, you know, the Liverpool of yeah. Essex. So you've got to have some stones to dress and be that way as well, to walk around the streets going, well, this is me and I wear this. and Because you know you're going to get hassled oh, yeah. all the time and people want to just want to punch you for looking different. I mean, oh, yeah. did that ever concern you when you were, you know, wearing uh, bits yeah. and, or did you not care? No? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, um, how can I put it? I mean, I suppose because you had uh, Pete, that was worse. <laughs> you could go, well, yeah. you, you, you did not mess with Pete. Really? Was he a tough, tough lad? It would take five to take him down. Wow. Be like, I've heard boy George is the same. I heard he's a tough old guy as well, yeah. Well, yeah, because he's fucking massive. <laughs> he's a big lad. Yeah, he's about six. Yeah, he's he's a proper man's man. Wow, but Pete was kind of skinny. I can't imagine. But I suppose he had that wiry strength, did he? That would. Uh... Oh, no, no, Pete was. Oh, Pete was built like a brick shit house. Wow. Yeah, no, no, he's. But and and with me, I was I was just you. Um, how can I put it? I was just cleverer. Right. So I like um, so like I'd be playing footy because I, I I loved footy. So I'd be playing footy, still had makeup on me, <laughs> and uh, just hoping no one would notice because that's the worst thing you could. You know, <laughs> you got to go. Well, yeah, you try, but do you know how hard it is to get makeup off? <laughs> Fucking hell! These girls—they don't tell you that. I mean. Yeah, girls are just another level of like. No, it was really hard to get it off. All a prop, like proper. You've got to, you know, eyeshadow and liner and yeah, yeah, all that nonsense. It's just, just nightmare. But also, you know, like hanging around. um, Yeah, I I was good at reading situations and being able to kind of. No, I went to leave. (laughs) yeah, Yeah, and also bullies. Male bullies are not the most intelligent of beings, so they're rather easy to kind of like hoodwink. Is that the word? Hoodwink. <laughs> yeah, completely, completely, because they're thick as pig shit. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, am I going to? I might get cancelled. Might I? Oh shit! Never mind. No, that's all right. no don't be silly. So, Sorry, you, so you, you got in the studio uh, with uh, Nigel Gray. And uh, and at the time he's he's done the police and Susie the Banshees and Godly and Cream. I mean, what was it like? He hadn't done Susie yet. Oh, he hadn't done Susie at the point. Okay, so what was it like just recording with Nigel? Was he was he a good producer? Was he hands on? Was he? Oh yeah, he was mega. He was mega. He was brilliant. I wanted to do the album with him, but again, Jerry, Nigel was brilliant, but Nigel wanted to kind of rockify the, the 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 bass and drums. He wanted to pin it down to basically a rock rock sort of and we were we were to be fair to Jen, we were trying to move away from that. Right. Having said that, I think it was a mistake not to do the album with Nigel. I I would have been happy with it. But I mean what a character. What a character. You know um so interesting. Yeah. So so wild. <laughs> Beyond what be you would not believe. Awesome. I mean, sadly, he's not here, but um, but yeah, he had a lovely smile and he was so cute. And he, you know, and he got the bass player from, uh, you know, from Avalon because our bass player, we 
oh no, we didn't have a bass player. Right. Yeah, we just have a bass player. So we got a session muso in. And it was the lad who's not again, he's not here either. Bloody hell, we're all dying, aren't we? <laughs> um he, he was the bass player off Avalon. Wow. Oh, and he was great because he was just a lovely man and he had his lovely beer belly and he was just like, and I'm just watching him play his bit and I'm just like, you know, and I'm saying, can you just play the bass line to Avalon? <laughs> but he was a really sweet man, you know what I mean? He, you know, he's, he, yeah. he could, you know, he, he could tell I was clueless, knew nothing and he was just speak to me and I'd ask him about Brian Ferry. And, <laughs> He's just queuing him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, he'd just be like, yeah, it was just great. And Nigel Gray was just, you'd see the the master tapes to like the police. Wow. And, and you're just there, you know, and just like, and he'd put them on and, you know, on the, on the reel to reel and you'd hear it all, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> you know, because let's face it, the police, one of the best bands yeah. ever. Amazing. And and also that tune that Nigel did was a spellbound with, with Susie. Right. What a, what a tune that is. Because the, the, Budgie, what a drummer he was. Yeah. He, he lives around here and Susie does. Susie lives near her. Um, uh, this split up now, I think. Um, but um, the drum fill, uh, uh, the middle eight of spellbound. <laughs> So yeah. you're, you're in the Sorry. show. No, 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 I love it. I love it. So you're in the show uh, making uh, no no sense of sin. Was it a quick album to make? Was it a slow album? <laughs> <laughs> you know all the best. When are you when are you moving into comedy? Rob? <laughs> Just, you know. Fucking hell, mate. Was it a quick album to make? <laughs> I want that on my gravestone. Was it a quick album to make? Fucking hell. <laughs> Fucking no. I have to ask. I had, about, I had about three fucking breakdowns during that album. Fucking <laughs> oh, no. Was it a quick album to me? Sorry, sorry. Uh, in short, no. <laughs> 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 uh, it's And it's so difficult because for someone like me, I'm like, I don't know if you've noticed, but, I, you know, I'm on the freak side of the spectrum. Yeah. So, I, like, if I'm starting something, I need to get the thing finished. Right. Because, like, so when I do an album, it physically hurts me. Right. A, because of the emotional investment, and B, because of the time it takes to get it done. Right. Well, that's why singles are good for me. Because, so, I'll do a tune. I'll start it. I work very fast. Uh, uh, again, I'm on the freak end of the spectrum. Mm. I, I I switch on and I don't switch off until it's done. Yeah. And I'm happy. I feel there's less pain that way. But with albums, there's more people involved. It's slower. It's just a slower, slower pace. And what's worse with No Sense of Sin and Jerry, because he's a perfectionist. <laughs> 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 don't ever... Don't ever hang out with perfectionists <laughs> um, because they don't actually achieve what they're trying to. Anyway, well, that's not there. That's a that's a that's a mute point. Moot or mute point? Moot, as I think it is. Moot point. Yeah. yeah. Although I do like the word mute point phrase. <laughs> yeah. Mute point. Yeah. That might be if John was around, I would send that lovely man <laughs> a postcard, and it would be mute point. Dear John. <laughs> Mute point. <laughs> love, love Peter and Rob. Robbie. Yes. <laughs> oh, bless him. He was a lovely man. Anyway, anyway, uh, sorry, what were we talking about? We talked about the album being quick to make and perfectionists. No, it was fucking laboriously long. Excuse the French. That's because right. we had about five different producers. Right. I mean, bless him. Alan Tarney, fucking now. We spent four days on a bass drum. Wow. What, just tuning it or getting the right sound? Just tuning the fucking... Stop swearing, Peter. Just <laughs> tuning the the ring right. out of a bass drum. Now, having said that, Alan, I do thank you because... Um, because we recorded You Don't Need Someone New, which is a nice tune. You know, it's a nice tune. It's a really nice. Uh, but more importantly, we recorded Two Virgins Tender. 
which is actually a really interesting B-side because of such a weird lyric. Um, Very Stephanie, actually. Right. That lyric, very Stephanie. And and also you you don't but but anyway but um I mean what I find uh, interesting about the album because I've been playing it it's very contemporary for now I think if you released it like now or like about 2015 when all the indie stuff was around again and really bouncing around when the kooks are hot and all that sort of stuff I think it would have if you just released it and just said this isn't an album made in the eighties no one would have known the difference you know what I mean it it sounded really contemporary even now so it's strange. Well, not really. I mean, please forgive the abject narcissism, but it was ahead of its time. I agree, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it was. It was ahead of its time. And the level and degree of songwriting was really high. Yeah. There were not many people. So, for example, you know, like, because um, basically uh, the Smiths and the Lotus Eaters, the Smiths worn hands down hands down, because they're much, much easier to like. But, um, and obviously really interesting as well. Yeah. Really, you know, lyrically fabulous, fabulous. But um, I'm pretty sure he wasn't reading Brecht, (laughs) whereas I was. Yeah. And so that was the difference between us. You know, I, I was far more... Well, I was far more subtle, and and also he 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 understood the media. He was a journalist, right? Okay. Beforehand, so he understood how things worked, the 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 system. Yeah. But this charming man, what a beautiful lyric that is. Yeah. What a beautiful. I mean, lots of his lyrics are just sensational. I am the sun. I am the air. Amazing. That lovely. I mean, double meanings. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, genius, genius. I, I can only write a shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I, 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 I'm sure you'll uh, sort something. You know, it's common. So, did the um, what, making the album and taking a while? Did that cause tensions in the band that echoed later on, or was it one of those things where you you sort of understood it was the situation that was causing you to go a bit crazy and stuff with each other? Um. I never really belonged. I was never really a mate. Right. Um, so I would always be in the back of the van reading Albert Camus. Jerry, Jerry was a big personality. Yeah. You know, and um, very entertaining, very funny, you know, would have you laughing, left right, you know. But I was never really his mate, I don't think, ever. Um, and Jed, Jed and Jerry were mates. Yeah. You know, so they'd be playing water, having water pistol fights and all this type of thing in, in, uh, in the studio while I'd be, I'd be like in the drum booth mm. thinking, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when am I going to get this vocal done to uh, set me apart? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and to be fair to them, I was a different fish to them. I was a different fish to them. I was, I was different. They were far more outward, mm. far more confident. And, and that kind of pattern remained to the very end, actually. Right. Okay. You know, so say, for example, with the Hertz, um, the last, I think that's the last thing we did. I wanted to release the 12 inch as the seven inch. Right. And uh, but Jem Jerry didn't. Uh, he wanted to release the seven inch, and and again, I think that was a mistake. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just bits and bobs. I mean, interesting talking about we're saying it being contemporary of its time. When I was listening to um, Out on Your Own, there's, oh. that, that, which is a a great song, by the way. Um, yeah, there's like a piano riff. I think it's a piano riff, but it sounds a bit like David Guetta would do. That yeah. kind of because um, later on you moved into house music. Is that right? You were doing some bits and bobs of house music. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, I did Ace, Ace Orgasms and, and G Love, which was a massive. It was the biggest club in the country, and, and, and we had a label, our own label, and did loads of dance tunes. So it's Slide One, and yeah, big 
big, big tunes. Should have been hits. Yeah. So where did the, the sort of house music start come in for it for you? Because you've gone from a, like a band and then you've gone into house. Where, did, was you, did you hear from New York and stuff and go, oh, I really like that, and it kind of develops? Or did you... Was there a standard? Well, no. Well, well no. Basically, with, with uh, basically, I, I I did a an album after Lotus Split, which is called "Slap in the Face with Public Taste," which is really dark mm. and down. Then to to me, because I felt guilty, because I am a Catholic boy, I went in and did "I'd Sacrifice Eight Orgasms" with Shirley MacLaine almost straight away. Yeah. And that was a double album as well. And that I was trying to do a dance album. I wanted to do a Funkadelic Parliament album. Right. We, we we did it while we were all wearing wigs, <laughs> you know. Um, and it was just you know it was a part we you know we we were at, we had a laugh making it, but it didn't come out at all like a dance album. And so I then thought, oh shit, and you know I've got to get me active. And then and then I, I was because I was. Obviously, uh, career was wrecked. Mm. I got a job in 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 in, in a bar in um, uh, I forget what the club was called. Um, but anyway, so I started working behind a bar, and then I, I thought I'd like to run a, a, a club night. So I went to the boss and said, "Can I run a club night?" And he said, "What do you want to call it?" And I said, Eight orgasms." <laughs> and he said, "What?" And said, "Yeah, I want to. I want to do a club night, one night a month. I'll put a, put new bands on dance bands, uh, and I want to call it Eight Orgasms." And he said, "You are fucking mad." And he said, "For the first one, I want uh, Tony Wilson to come down and mm. and and uh, uh, from Manchester and do it." Um, do a do a speech on why Liverpool's so fucking far behind Manchester because <laughs> I because I, I said to uh, I, I said to the boss of the club I said because what I want to do mate is I want to set up factory records right I want to set up factory records in Liverpool right and this is my first move will you let me give me one night a month and he said you crazy fucked up human being yes i will <laughs> good on him and and i spoke to tony wilson tony wilson wanted to do he said what a brilliant idea nice. and he wanted to do it and he said but me jag will get wrecked <laughs> i can imagine yeah. so so but anyway but i got a guy called gerald is it voodoo rage that guy called gerald. voodoo ray that's it good yeah. man good man so he did the first gig yeah. Of eight orgasms. I got an art group in there that 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 decorated it. They were called the F people, you know, and, and the lad from the Pixies would come in, mm. a singer from the Pixies, Frank, would would uh do a television, uh, uh, do a performance in front of the art piece. Wow. Uh, to 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 be broadcast with it for his telly show, whatever it was he was doing. And because um, it was funky, and um, and I I basically put an ad out saying I need dance bands, yeah, to come in and do the first gig because it's you know and uh, it's a the dance club and uh, all they were all bunnymen bands, right? And said, you know we had a week to go for the gig, so uh, to support a guy called Gerald, mm. so I said oh fuck it. So we formed the Donnie Marie handbag revolution. <laughs> and I was dressed in, well, you really don't want to know. But I, I, I was dressed and I was, I was basically, it was hilarious. So I was the most feminine singer <laughs> imaginable, but the most, so I'd have my Donnie Marie handbag and I'd have sweets in it and I'd throw sweets out to the crowd and say sweets bastards <laughs> I was the most macho horrible and um, what's that word you know where you, you you know I'm absolutely wonderful and beautiful and you are just minions to adore me <laughs> yeah. I was everything I hate about all singers and I was absolutely adored. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I was gutted. <laughs> I was gutted. 
Do you even want me to go on that Hitman and Hair? No way, with Pete Waterman yeah. Strachan. I, I, well, I couldn't because I couldn't rely, I couldn't trust myself right. to not attack Pete Waterman. <laughs> I couldn't trust myself. Amazing. <laughs> so I had to turn it down. <laughs> I think that would have took off, though, if you went on there. I think you would have been a regular. Yeah, but I don't think, I, 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 I couldn't put it. Um, it, it scared me actually. I, I learned an awful lot. It mm. scared me because people really liked that persona. Yeah, even like sweet people who should know better. <laughs> yeah. You know, sweet souls, sweet gentle feminist souls who should know better. They really liked it, <laughs> and and uh, so it it, it would have been really. Uh, uh, it would. It was very dangerous for me because I, I, I may have started to have become light. Yeah, I get you. But it wouldn't have been me. That was be, it. Would, would have been the death of an artist, actually. Oh, I see. It sounds quite deep, but it's true, and a lot of people don't understand that. But it's until you know being there, you you don't get it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, get, I get the fact it would have been you know um, you're this sort of pseudo drag act and it's oh yeah and I was in a band as well <laughs> although the, yeah. the, whereas the songwriting is much more important and your history with Steph is much more important than you know wearing a giving out sweets I, I get it to a degree the personality the personality overrides everything yeah yeah and you know oh, you know the key thing about about me is I actually have zero personality the real the the real the real slim shady has zero personality I suppose that's, as well be good. it could become um dangerous because, to become addicted to that personality as well if you're so shy well, yeah. And, yeah cuz it get you stuff yeah i get you big time big time <laughs> So over the years, you've done a few Lotus Eaters um, reunions and bits and bobs um, and you've been touring again. Well, either way, you've been prolific still since you've started and you're still making music now, aren't you? Releasing music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All over the place. So I've got an album coming out with, um, uh, and he's got an OBE actually, Uh, Ian, my mate Ian from Edinburgh. Mm. Um, it's It's a poetry album. So God, is that's the that's the theme, isn't it? Yeah. It's a poetry album, and the um, it's called a warm moon. And I've done the music, and he's done the poems, and that's coming out September thirtieth. And there's a little book, a beautiful booklet, poetry booklet that uh, he's going to sell, which is nice. So was it a quick album to make? <laughs> that, that, well, it, it took about a year, but you know that was in in amongst other projects. But that was that because it was just the two of us. That was a lot easier. Sure. And if people want to find out more about you and the album and them, see where's the best place to go and your tours as well. Where's the best place to find out the best information for you? Well, that's a very good question, that Robbie. <laughs> Would it be your website? Maybe is that the the best one? <laughs> well, that 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 if if that if I updated it correctly, yeah. All right. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, I mean, I do my website and me Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I do try to put all the releases on there. Yeah. So as you know, not but you know, like. You know, and I put my pictures up there as well. You know, I, I do a picture every day. And, um, but yeah, my website, if I do update it, oh, I do need to update that. Sugar. And what's the address uh, for that for people that don't know what that is? Uh, Petercoil.com. But when, but, but it's a bit confusing because, say, for example, this album is coming out in October, in September 30th. Uh, that's called A Warm Moon, and that's Coil Deary because it's Ian Deary. Um, uh, is 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 the the lad who, who's done the poems, um. So that's it. and also all me most of my stuff on Spotify is Peter Coyle Fractal, right? Okay. And then I do different like. Okay, I tell you what we do for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. um, when you've done the new album, send it to me. I'll put it on our website, uh, which is uh, pod.com with the link, so they can find it. Cool. And I'll put Great, the Peter Coyle Fractal stuff under the exclusive yeah. for the website page. How's that? So anyone oh, that's listening, go bless to my you. website. Yeah, yeah go get, to your website. And I'll get you to PS stuff. 
Yeah, because I haven't got a scooby what I'm doing. <laughs> um, Pio, it's been lovely talking to you today. I've had a wonderful and time you. chatting. It's been wonderful. Uh, so thanks, buddy. It's been great. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. 